0: This is the Shape America Podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. Welcome to the Shape America podcast. I'm your host Matt Pomeroy, and bringing you uh, another special edition of uh, the Shape America podcast. And is an action-packed podcast, and we're talking to Scott Tatum, and um, he's a he's a middle school health education teacher uh, from Illinois, and uh, you'll hear more about him shortly. But uh, just wanted to take a moment just to say thank you again for for tuning in and listening with us, and. You know, just picking up some information uh, that you can take and you, you can put in your teaching and, and get a little bit of pro- professional learning and professional development here. So no matter where you are and what you're doing and where you're listening to and where you're you're from and you live. Uh, so we'd love to hear about your, you know, your thoughts on the show and any feedbacks or questions or comments like please, please always send us an email podcast at shapeamerica, uh, dot org. And uh, you know you can always tweet at me, phys ed underscore Pomeroy, P-O-M-E-R-O-Y. Scott will share all his information at the end. But uh, again, we love bringing you these podcasts and uh, hope you're enjoying them. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Shape America podcast. What's in your action pack edition? And I'm your host, Matt Pomeroy. This is part three of our new series that we're launching with special guest speakers from around the nation. Uh, the, really, the idea of this action pack uh, came back around in the summertime when Stephanie Sandino, another host of this podcast, was getting mentally ready to go back to school. Her mind created this vision of a backpack, and inside that backpack, we've got different tools that I really bring to school. And again, these tools are both concrete and abstract, and they really make up stuff that just help me out as an educator and keep you focused uh, you know, on the school year and, and as that person to grow, and again, as well as to help your students chase down the red rubber ball. So again, tonight and today, uh, I'm excited to be sharing this, this evening with a uh, amazing fellow educator from Illinois, Scott Totem. And, uh, he's, uh, teaching health education and this, um, action packed podcast will really be focused on that. But, uh, another amazing educator, uh, health educator specifically from Illinois. It's amazing what's going on down there. And, um, know we really appreciate scott being on the show and um, scott and i will be discussing throughout the rest of the show really just some goals for his school year that he's working on and um, some new ideas that he's going to be implementing and uh, we'll talk a little bit about self-care that's a big focus of ours throughout this whole year Um, making sure that we are keeping that mind and, and body in good shape for uh just that that long year of teaching and uh and then we're going to be looking through that reflection process as well, how, how Scott reflects and, and maybe some of the different tools and things like that that he uses to reflect. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Scott and Scott, just give a quick little introduction of yourself.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Todnum. Matt, thanks so much for having me. Shape America is done and continues to do so many great things for our profession and for the health of America's youth. Uh, 50 million strong is a fantastic initiative. What a great push for the uh, for the future of the nation. So so thank you, Matt and Colin, for putting these podcasts together. And thanks to Stephanie for the recent action pack addition to the episodes, too. Uh, I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, So I teach health ed in Naperville, Illinois. It's a western suburb of Chicago, and this is year 17 for me. I'm at Scullin Middle School, and at the middle school level in our district, we have 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Our students have um, one quarter of health each school year. Uh, The setup is three quarters of PE and one nine-week quarter of health. It used to be a little different a, a while back where PE was year-long and health was a full semester, but that changed around 2009. I think, I think we all know the struggle health and physical educators sometimes face to keep our classes uh, mandated part of uh, of our student's school day. but uh, that's our current setup. Uh, so the good part is I, I do get to see students each school year. The numbers work out right now where I'll see every 7th grader and every 8th grader in the school. So I I do like to be able to build on things from 6th grade through the end of middle school. Uh, It's definitely a plus to develop consistency in the classroom in terms of expectations and and content and certainly health literacy skills. Uh, So, yeah, so that's the setup at my school. Uh, Outside of teaching, I coached for quite a while, uh, 15 years in cross-country and track. I was also involved in uh, organizing the educational overnight trips to Washington, D.C., and um, in our state, Springfield, as well as St. Louis. I dropped those commitments just a couple of years ago because my own family was growing. Um, I'm a father of four. And I do miss some of those extracurricular interactions with students, but my own family needs my time and en- energy right now. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Most recently, I was awarded the Illinois State uh, Health Teacher of the Year through IAFERD.
0: Hey, Scott. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're really excited to have you on the show, and you know, glad we can uh, you know kind of unpack that action pack of yours and just kind of check out everything that you've got going into it, and you know, everything you're bringing to the school year, and. Um, definitely excited to kind of get down into it. But first, I guess, first and foremost, like you're right. And, you know, thank you for, you know, bringing up Shape America clearly on the Shape America podcast. But it's true, they're really working hard to help educators prepare 50 million strong, which is not an easy task. You know, through both health and physical literacy, and clearly they've got many, many great forms of professional development going on, and offering a lot of resources for those members and and non-members alike. And um, they're definitely doing what they're what they can do to help those those 50 million strong. So, and there's definitely a massive focus on standards-based, um, I'm sorry, skills-based health education, and of course, standards go along with that as well. But uh, You know, just yourself, it sounds like you've got a really great setup there in Naperville. And, you know, it really sounds like a nice mix of both health and physical education, you know, throughout the school and throughout the programs. And although I'm really sure that that quarter of health education goes by real quick. um, It's like the blink of an eye, I'm sure of it. So um, as you've got those students, you know, for one quarter, like, just thinking about like our first question here. So like, what are your goals, you know, for those students again, and throughout kind of the whole year, um, you know, to, to get your students ready for the next phase of their life or the next grade level or everything else. So, uh, yeah, just let us know what you're really focused on and what that goal or, uh, major goals are for you.
1: So I have a word of the year, innovate, And in uh, recent years, I've tried this concept to have an overall theme um, to guide my teaching. Uh, Let's see, last year was collaborate. And and so anyway, this year, I'd like to be more innovative. Besides um, bettering my own instruction, I just I wanted to create more new lessons, new activities, uh, new ways of approaching class discussions, the use of new video clips where needed, or um, online sites or apps for students to utilize, all of it. So to begin, I decided to take a leap into flexible seating in the classroom. I had read a lot about it for oh maybe a couple of years now, and uh, other teachers at my school had great-looking classrooms. Um, and so I went, I went for it. And if it proves to be just a fad, more of a fad than anything, and student learning is best managed with stu- with traditional school desks, you know, so be it. I'll gladly switch back. But for now. I've offered up some high-top tables, some uh, small group tables, some more comfortable chairs in the classroom, and I I kept quite a few desks because some students just plain learn best in an individual desk. But anyways, it's been a success so far. The kids talk quite a bit more uh, in small groups. It works really well for small group discussions. Uh, and I want that anyway. I want them to be social. I want that social health development uh, anyway. So it's just requiring me to be more more on my game in terms of grabbing the attention of the large group if needed. But yeah, I went for the flexible um, seating. So I know that's not innovative in the sense that it was my idea, but it still follows my theme of trying new things out uh, this school year. Similarly, I wanted to figure out a way to continue to extend the classroom. I wanted to continue that extension uh, outside the the four walls of the classroom. And I actually put some thought into maybe doing my own podcasts, but that's covered by you all at Shape and then a few others that are doing some really cool interviews and other podcast work. Anyway, I decided to uh, start up a YouTube channel just a couple of months ago. And I figured to allow students to have a voice there with my ability to use that Uh, medium. And I thought, hey, why don't I do weekly webcast episodes where I sit down with a couple of with a handful of students, ask them some questions about the past week and reflect on the learning experience in the health classroom. So each Friday, I now meet with three to four kids. We sit at a table. I I throw a couple of questions at them as cues. And then I just sit back and listen. I try to keep it at about Five to six minutes of video and I clip it together right there on my phone and then I push it out each week to the public. Um, I do get I need to get uh, special parent permission on that. I don't use any names, student names, although they give their own thoughts and opinions about things. We try not to get too personal um, and keep it appropriate for online sharing, you know, to maintain a certain safety with things. They are still early teenagers after all. But, yeah, it's been really eye opening. I don't prompt their answers any, anyway, although some end up feeling like we scripted them. I swear, a lot of these kids I have are so smart and reflective, and I'm learning quite a bit just by listening. And that's the cool thing about it. First, I'm spending some informal time with students in that setting. We always laugh no matter what tough topics of the week of health we might be talking about. We always end up laughing. I always mess up and have to redo things. And I think they like to see that, too. You know, I'm not perfect. Uh, but mostly it's been a form of reflection for me on teaching, on how I approach lessons, on what students are really taking away from our time together. It has now given me an added way to reflect, really, more than just thinking at night or at the end of the week or whatever, just kind of in your own head. Uh, now I have something more concrete as feedback right from the students. And they like to see themselves online, of course, but I've been posting them um, through my social media. And uh, I also email the link to their parents directly. So this anyway, this all helps me remain innovative, but it's an extension of the classroom that I feel is powerful. Lessons don't end at school. In fact, with health education, that would be really against our person, our, our purpose of, of life coaches, you know, in essence, I want to share the excitement I have for life and for health education, and so I love that extension of the classroom in that regard.
0: Well, hey, man! Just some awesome goals, uh, and I appreciate you sharing them uh, with me, and of course with everyone out there that's that's listening to this as well. And uh, I agree; like, innovate is such a cool word, and um, it's cool for so many different reasons. Uh, like you say, it can. It could be focused on what you're doing, what kids are doing, uh, your approach to something. Um, there's so many different ways to look at that word, so it's um, it's it's not holding you back at any point in time. Um, and for me, I think sticking with that innovative thought, uh, and you mentioned, you know, just consistently trying something new, and. You know, for me, taking risks as, as an educator really what keeps it exciting as well. Uh, something new, something different. Uh, it feels risky for me. Again, uh, it's going to feel that way for the students too, and it keeps everything exciting. Um, so, definitely love that word. I like that idea that taking that one word to focus too. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I really, really like how you're extending the classroom, uh, especially with with YouTube and just having students there and being able to hear the student voices. I think that's It's really cool and I think it's neat just to show them how you can make something and and how people can learn from it. And again, how you can extend those walls as well. But uh, I'm sure you guys have just a good time making it and and making those things together. So um, that is neat. I I love the idea of flexible seating. Um, We're gonna be getting some new seating and stuff like that in our classrooms next year. And we definitely have some options, which is neat. I guess I'm just wondering, like, how did you, so my follow-up question really is just how did you come up with the funds or like, how did you make that flexible seating happen? Right. Um, I don't think I'm going to get everything that I wanted for flexible seating. I think we'll have options for different seats. Um, but I think, uh, you know, having some different kind of, um, just cool seating is, is definitely great for students. Uh, just feel comfortable once you get that comfort feel in your classroom. Um, Things can go a long way, so um, yeah. Just wondering how you made it happen, and and we can go on from there. Thanks.
1: Funding a flexible seating classroom is definitely a struggle, as I see it. Uh, you're right, Matt. It's like, how do you can you find the funds to, or can you purchase all of those uh, additional seats yourself? And I I just couldn't do it. So I've seen some fantastic looking uh, classrooms too that obviously some people had some money of their own to put towards it. I'm active on Instagram and I've seen some, some elementary school classrooms from some teachers that are just, they look like I would want that as, you know, my own living room or something like that, but I, and I couldn't pull that. So really what happened was I kind of looked at w- what I wanted to do and I wanted some places where students could stand up and feel like they could stand up uh, or sit down. So I offered up that. Uh, that's pretty easy just with some high top tables. I found some cheap ones, at walmart and target Uh, so i did put a little bit of my own personal finances into into things here and then uh, funny enough i had some things sitting just sitting around in terms of tables in my own basement Um, so i think if teachers are looking for you know a different type of table if there's anything that's that could be put to use right right from the school um, instead of a student desk that's maybe a first option Uh, you'd have to purchase anything on your own but then you know i think that you could find some things potentially even at garage sales if you really wanted to put the time and effort into it but uh, it's some hand-me-downs I had some tables that weren't being used that were just sitting around in um, my basement so i put them to use in the classroom
0: thanks for sharing that scott um, you know it sounds like a very economical way of you know getting your flexible seating set up and it's definitely sounds like something that you know kind of anyone can do but it's just great to hear how others have just kind of set it up as well so we can get that thought process going and, and it sounds like uh, you've got many options for your students and it seems to be working out well so i know your theme of the year here is innovate innovative um so just thinking you know like as you're planning over the summer or maybe even you know adjusting throughout after the first quarter is done like uh what's your ultimate goal for adding just a new innovative things ideas um just into your curriculum for you know this year or for a specific quarter or whatever else it is or class or um so just looking to hear what's new um like again what's innovative and what you're adding into that curriculum that is maybe different than it has been in the past so looking forward to hearing
1: from it like I said before, my health class is a nine-week course. So for me, that not only means that I've got limited time to fit in all of the lessons and units I want to cover, but it also means that I potentially repeat the same class 12 times a year. It's, uh, it's possible I have three eighth grade classes a quarter for all four quarters. So there's a drawback to this because I can, feel, I can sometimes feel like I'm on a running script during certain lessons I've already gone through. But the benefit here is is the same fact. I can tweak or completely change discussions and activities to better serve students. I can update things for new information presented to us as health teachers, um, just simply as humans evolve each year. So I can try new angles on a lesson. Um, I guess mostly I can see what works and what doesn't. I gain confidence as an instructor repeating lessons but also I feel like I'm getting better at allowing students to ch- the a chance to guide themselves you know being told something won't has have as much impact compared to when you yourself figure it out or having that aha moment uh, on your own lately I'm not as afraid to try new activities just to see if they work for instance I've done some movement activities to get students up and out of their seats and create a kinesthetic uh, uh, classroom or a kinetic classroom really. And I've repurposed some old challenge-based team building type of activities for some um, almost abstract connections in health class. Specifically, I made up a a few new activities this year that I uh, am trying out and I've had some some success with. I have one I simply called the team beanbag toss. Um, in setting up a goal setting assignment, if weather permits, I'll go out outside with the class groups and they'll pair up, they'll, they'll group up rather into uh, smaller groups of around, around 10, maybe even 12. And so if I have three of those smaller groups going in a class setting, I, I'll present the group with a couple of items, uh, one bucket, some type of milk crate bucket or box, a poly spot uh, per student and one bean bag per student. So the quick gist of it is, That Before knowing the goal, I I let the students spread out. I want them to spread out around one of the milk crates. Again, just a bucket or a box or whatever works. And many students will be far away. Some will be close. Uh, And so on on purpose, I'm vague on details at the start of the activity. And the goal I then present them with at that point is... To, to try and throw their beanbags into the crate. The catch is that they must stay standing on their hotspot, spot and that all beanbags must be in the air at the same time when and if tossed. So without giving too much away here, uh, the goal can be met in a variety of ways and students have to come to realize that if they ask for help, then they can achieve the initial goal. In my mind, it gets their brains turning on the connection to their own goal and the wellness plans that we, are, we work on. Um, it involves a social connectedness piece as well. So, yeah, I'm trying to strengthen my skills-based approach to health. and with the, I think with the help of our amazing um, PLN out, out there on Twitter, on Voxer, et cetera, we have people who inspire me to improve my health at experience. Every single day. And, you know, I've been looking at health class less and less in terms of one lesson, one unit, or even a curriculum. I've been treating it and also calling it a health class experience lately. It's an entire experience. It's not just filling one day or one topic or unit. The class itself, the course of health is bigger than that. And my big picture view has helped with clarity uh, for myself on what it is I really want to help students achieve in life. I think students appreciate that, just having a teacher know that life is bigger than our one class or even school itself, even though we teach the best subject in the world. And I say that all the time because health is is life. And I like to think about what I would want out of a class and then go for there, from there. Would I like being a student in my own classroom, in other words? So in the experience, uh, we are involved then as teachers, as facilitators, as co-learner, co-learners, and I feel that's an important uh that's important to make explicit to students i don't have all the answers in fact i have more questions than answers really and health class gives me a chance to be a lifelong learner learner as well it it, this recent thinking for me has led me to see health as a uh, what i've been quoting as a life-changing a life-saving and a life-sustaining experience in other words health can be life-saving as many of us know And it can definitely be life-changing, but I try to make sure I'm not just pushing teenagers here to look at their life as if it's not good. In in fact, many of our behaviors should be sustained, not changed. So to maximize health and wellness and longevity, I feel like that simple definition uh, helps me keep my focus. And so anyway, there are many, many other health educators out there doing great things that inspire me to add to my um, curricular experience. And I've got to give a few shout outs here if that's okay. I mean, it would be, I, th- I think we just need to name some names here. Uh, if we look at uh, Holly Al- Alperin and Sarah, be- Sarah Bennis, uh, holly and sarah literally wrote the book on skills-based approach to health ed right and uh, i'm sure um, a bunch of health teachers are know this and they're already on that book um other people doing great things jeff bartlett out of massachusetts also uh, claudia brown right there from massachusetts too uh, been a great supporter of mine in the community uh, deanne romero out of colorado uh, and andy milne and andy horn from right here in illinois Oh, man, there's so many people to thank for inspiration um, and and guidance. Mary Wentland out of Wisconsin. Um, Kim O'Hara is doing some real great things out there in California. Uh, Melanie Lynch, last year's National Teacher of the Year. Yeah, uh, there's a big crew in Minnesota doing some awesome stuff, too. I just went up there and visited for their state conference. So thanks to Jenny Walmsley and Aaron Murray and a whole bunch of good things going on uh, there and all over the country. It's so cool. Um, so, sorry. <laughs> Lots of health ed love to share here. <laughs> anyway, the, the, that connected piece to teaching in 2017 is awesome. To see what people across the nation and across the world are doing gives me the push to better my health experience for students. And uh, the skills-based movement just makes sense. So, to to just here finally add a few more specifics... I am adding some more role play into the classroom, including debates. I'm having students journal both in and out of certain characters and roles. Uh, I'm trying to add a better mindfulness approach to mental health this year. I have students using the Flipgrid app, and we are creating thank you videos in a newly formed uh, modified advocacy project that I've been doing. And I'm attempting to strengthen my relationship focus, too, with some better lead-in discussions on consent.
0: Well, Scott, thanks for sharing all those uh, amazing insights. So I yeah, just really appreciate it. But you know, a couple of things that just kind of come to my mind is that thought process of reflection is really what I'm hearing. I mean, it just sounds like, you know, you're looking at health class, the experience, uh, you know, just in general. And, you know, you thought about it over the summer and you thought about what things went, you know, what things went really well last year. And maybe, you know, you need to improve on or add new things in on, you know, during this year. And um, again, I like that you you know reflect maybe between the quarters, maybe between those classes, and you know you keep keep trying new things and different things, and you know your craft is always changing. and um, and I think that that's exceptional as as an educator. And um, you know that being said, too, just that piece of being connected, I think is extremely important. Um, having those connections through social media, knowing people that share, um, and you knowing that you can get a lot of these great ideas from them as well, and that people will openly share them. So, you know, and, and again, you kind of brought up conferences and just knowing people online as well. Again, other great places just to get new, innovative ideas, you know, within your classroom. So I, I really just appreciate you sharing all those things, um, because it is. It's, it's extremely important as an educator nowadays, nowadays to be reflecting as you do um, and to be you know continuously learning uh, whether it be online or face to face so uh thanks i do want to bring up one more thing um and i know that you've kind of been big into like making mistakes and mistakes are okay or failures are right so i'm not quite sure if you're taking the grit, grit ap- approach or resiliency um, or you know, just, just that ability to bounce back as a student, that growth mindset. Um, so I guess I just want to get a little bit more information because I thought it's been pretty cool and I know you've highlighted it uh, quite a few times. But uh, you know, what's the goal with that and how are things going just in your classroom with it and how are things going as a professional as well? Um, so yeah, looking forward to hearing from you. I
1: appreciate the kind words, Matt. And that's a great question. How do we reflect to better serve students? Uh, Once again, I think it helps to share with the health ed community, not only bouncing ideas off of people online, but also presenting at the county and state levels. For me, it it gets my brain thinking about what I've been doing, if it's even worthwhile, and what I can share and give back to this awesome community of educators that proves the uh, validity of my instruction. Uh, In my district, we have the opportunity to meet either virtually or in person with the other middle school health teachers. We do this monthly, and I'm fortunate to have some really great teachers in district with me who collaborate. They push for quality assessments and uh, SLOs, and that's super helpful in my own teaching reflection. And actually, I think professional reflection mirrors um, personal life reflection. For instance, besides teaching, I also co-own a gym. In uh, 2010, I had the opportunity to open a strength and conditioning facility. We're going on eight years open now, and it's basically become my second full-time job. Well, third, third if you count parenting, <laughs> which I definitely do, right? So to practice self-management, I've been attempting to put some more mindfulness into action, living in the moment, or at least attempting to, you know? So how, how to approach each new minute and be present in that moment. In class, the students I, and I discussed this a bit, so I need to practice that same health-enhancing behavior, um, uh, I've been reading as much as I can, and that often helps me reflect on life as well. In general, I, I generally have a couple of books going at once, it seems, and some I finish and some I don't, but, uh, we seem to, we seem to complain about not having enough time myself. I'm guilty of this for sure. Not enough time in the day, you know? So I've taken control uh, of some of the time I'd have commuting to school, and I'm putting that hour to use with uh, podcasts and audiobooks, and I'm sure others do this too, but it has really changed my current state of mind on time. And I teach seven essential mental health activities uh, offered to students taken from David Rock and dan siegel and part of that approach is taking control of your own time in life time inward as well as downtime Uh, these are two important pieces to what they put out they call it the um, healthy mind platter i believe and so anyway using travel time i can't recommend it enough if you have to commute to put that time into audiobooks, it might help you reflect a bit on the way to and from school. Um, along the same lines as reading, I write a lot. Journals, blog posts, poetry, uh, you name it. it. It keeps my brain going. It forces me to remain creative and also introspective. And because I often put that on my website to uh, out to the public, it can sometimes put me in a, in a vulnerable spot. And it, it's that vulnerability, actually, that I firmly believe has proved to be helpful in making me um, a braver person in the last five to seven years, a uh, braver and more likely to just try things, just go for it, see what happens. You know, as this all applies to teaching, I want to keep this up uh, as I try new things in the classroom and encourage students to take risks as well. So practice what I preach, you know. Um, And lastly, and I think this is what you referred to, Matt, was um, some of my recent looks at uh, teaching mistakes. And I started doing a weekly reflection video and putting that up on on YouTube as well. I've been taking a quick look back each day of the week and pointing out to myself one mistake I made in teaching. I compile them now each Monday and I call it my mistakes in a minute. (laughs) Um, Basically, it's just a quick reflection on the things things that went wrong throughout uh, the week of teaching. I think we're all great about posting our success stories and the great things happening in the classrooms. And that's certainly important, but I I just wanted, I wanted to be human. And so I've been doing that short video each Monday. And yeah, again, it's for the public since no one's perfect, but really it's for myself. Uh, It's created some good introspection on my teaching journey this year. But in the end, it's not really, it's not about the videos really. It's not about books or blogs or social media. It's about better serving the students.
0: Well, Sky, you really hit on a lot of important topics there, and I just want to talk through one of them, and then we'll have a couple of follow-up questions as well, just to dive deeper into it. So, first and foremost, I think I really appreciate you know, like you're taking the time to publicly put out there that you know that you make mistakes and, and that you fail as a teacher at times, and you know some of those things, and. Um, and I think that that's just a really important thing for us to do. And we're definitely attempting to do that within this, this podcast as well, like the Shape America podcast, you know, we're reflecting and, you know, we're trying to talk about some of the struggles that we're going through and some of the successes that we have. But our everyone's life are both ways. There are successes, there are failures, there are mistakes. There's everything like that that does happen to us. And You know, social media gets extremely tricky and difficult if all we do is post the best things that happen, one snippet of our day um, and things like that. So I do appreciate that, you know, you're taking off that mask and, um, you know, you are just being vulnerable in, in, stating, you know, some things that maybe have gone wrong. And, and I think that is really important. And I hope that that trend kind of continues, um, with those connected educators that are out there. So, uh, like I say, I appreciate it. And, and I think it's great, you know, what you're doing and hope others, you know, step up and do the same. And, um, I know there's only so many things that we can talk about, you know, just publicly on social media, but, um, it is important to have those discussions as well, though. Um, and with that being said, I guess I want to lead into self-care. And I know you brought up a few of the self-care techniques, um, you know, that you are using. But let's just dive a little bit deeper into it. And, um, you know, just for that listener that might not know or understand what self-care is, but, like, educators have a really tough, tough life. I mean, we love it. We're there for it. But it's extremely demanding and highly stressful. Um, so that self-care is just, like, what are we doing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever else? Um, you know just to get our our mind and body in the proper place to be the best educators we can possibly be and um, and as I'm hearing you talk Scott I know you have a family at home you have extremely high standards for yourself and your job um, you have a second you know a little business that you're running um, and I'm sure we could go on and on and on uh, with all the different things that you're doing in your life but um, and again that that gets demanding on all of us um, so, we just really want to keep that conversation going too about self care. So, any other trips, tips uh, for our listeners or thoughts out there um, and things that you kind of specifically do in this year to take care of yourself um, would be great to hear. So, looking forward to it.
1: Self-care, another great item to consider for teachers, for sure. Uh, Great point, Matt. Um, So having a second job with the gym sounds like more work, and it definitely is. It's taken the place of the school coaching I used to do, but it's also a place where I'm around fitness and friends, and it helps me stay active. The members motivate me to maintain an active lifestyle through all the running, rowing, biking, uh, Olympic weightlifting, and gymnastics movements we do. And so the stress of being... An entrepreneur is balanced a bit right there since working out is obviously a great stress relief. And as a side note, what's cool is that my own kids are growing up to see that. They don't know or remember a time where their dad hasn't owned a gym. And it's become more than that, too. It's a second family now in a lot of ways. Uh, It helps me to stay active as I near middle age here. (laughs) As a kid, um, I ran and I played basketball. I also snowboarded quite a bit. So to keep that activity level up only makes sense for me. I could not be active, you know. Uh, Besides fitness, I've been trying to manage mental health, which I mentioned a little bit before. And and that can be tough with my youngest ones with a three-year-old and a one-year-old around, especially sleep, you know. Um, I already mentioned trying to stay present and mindful, and you know we can sp- have a plan for the future and need to and reflect on the past. But I've always kind of struggled to stay out of uh, living either I- living in either the the past or the future, and to just be here, right now, no matter where here is. So I made I consciously made an effort to slow down in recent years. Um, I dropped some extracurriculars, which was tough, but I also realized I was saying yes to a lot of things. So for my own family, I needed to be to respectfully say no to items where I just can't put the time or energy it deserves. And that's crucial life balance. But I do think it's polite to know other potential people or resources to point those um, asking for your time. And at risk of repeating myself, I, su- I do consider reading and writing to not only help with self-reflection, but also, there are also forms of self-care. And one of the favorite reads, this, my favorite reads this year was Super Better by Jane McGonigal. Her book is about the gamification of life, as she calls it, uh, how to become a better person with a small little video game like quests and challenges. Uh, she's a video game designer that suffered an injury and she chronicles recovery a little bit in the book. But what I also took away from that is, again, that we are in charge of our own time and what priorities we put forth. Um, as I see it, it's key to pick and choose the right time to add to your plate, to coach, to sponsor a club, to take on a district or state representative position. So sometimes a polite no is the best form of self-care.
0: Yeah, thanks again for scare- sharing, Scott. Um, again, we just appreciate hearing just all those different things. And, and it's so cool how everyone has just a little something different. But I really like how you know you utilize that gym. Like you said, it could have been an extra stressor, but you you know, brought in that opportunity to have more social interaction and again, be able to work out and, you know, be able to surround yourself by those people to, you know, to keep you physically healthy. And, and again, I think that ties right back into, you know, that meant being mentally strong as well. And I do definitely, one of my goals too with self care is again, just like you said, being present and really mindful, especially when you're around your family, because that can be a tricky thing, but continue to remind yourself um, you know, that's what you need to do and that's where you need to be. And yeah, it's a great, great goal. And, you know, something that we're always gonna be continuing to work on is the distractions of education and teaching really pile up and you know, just the technology and being connected and everything else. So um really good thoughts there as well. And then super better. Sounds like a really nice read. Um uh, I definitely understand the idea of saying no and when to say no. And um, and I like the idea that there are those times, you know, where you really definitely want to say, yeah. So great stuff. Again, thank you. Um, and let's close this thing out. We, we've we talked about reflection a few times and it's just kind of popped up in our conversation, but again, let's dive just a little bit deeper into it. So just talk about, you know, how you reflect and, Talk a little bit about maybe how often you reflect and um, and just those kind of things and how you use reflection in in your teaching and uh, planning and everything else. And then, is there a specific tool, or do you like a couple different tools, or like how how have you seen yourself um, reflecting the most? Like, what tool has been the most successful for you? Uh, so, looking forward to hearing all about reflection. All right.
1: You know, it seems like this whole podcast, we've uh, connected each new question. They're all related, which is so cool, since that's how I've been viewing life lately. You know, sure, we can break things down into smaller parts of physical, mental, and social well-being. But in the end, life isn't as segmented as that. Um, So likewise, I stopped looking at myself as two people. What I mean is I used to think of my professional life and my personal life. And I know a lot of other teachers have done this um, as well. I was a teacher, and then I'd have my family and my friends and so forth. It was separate, almost like it couldn't overlap, you know. I started to realize, though, I'm not two different people. Who I am as a teacher is who I am at home or at the gym or wherever I am. Uh, And obviously, some things are different. Like, I'm more laid back, maybe with friends than um, professional colleagues or in front of students. But what I'm getting at is this is all uh, my life, all of it. And so reflecting on how I'm managing my own life helps reflect on being an educator. I think this brings it all back around to our previous topics here tonight. Uh, For instance, uh, I teach students in in our focus on analyzing influences or interpersonal communication that who you are online is not different than who you are in real life. And we see this so often with inappropriate online behavior, like let's take a bullying scenario, for instance. If we can help students slow down and think, would I say the words I typed online to this person's face, or would I portray myself this way in a real setting with other people right there in front of me instead of a screen, it can help provide some clarity and, and some positive self-reflection. My um, main teaching reflection recently is the simple question, how am I allowing students to practice life skills in health class? How am I balancing necessary content with a chance for action? You know, often we'll use, um, we'll use stories or scenarios uh, to create situations to process and then reflect on and this is this is a uh, a preemptive thing, kind of where from the safety of a class setting, we can look at behavior choices in life, for instance, what happens when you're in a certain situation, be it at home or at a friend's house? Uh, Without a trusted adult around Um, online or what if you need to create a meal or a fitness plan or you need to cope to handle distress. You know, I've I've even shared online interactions I've received online hate, in fact, and and presented it at first uh, as a seemingly made up. What would you do scenario to later reveal that the words we read were written to me? And, and that's so powerful because in real time, students can see how I might handle that, which is simple. I just ignore it really, um, but it's not that easy. And so kind of talking through that process and that's a real life example on a decision-making process. Can It can be a great springboard for students to then analyze their own life choices, and start to uh, remain or re- continue to remain um, self-advocates of, of posi- positivity, etc. You know, those examples help me reflect, but more importantly, it gives students a chance to think about their own lives. So there isn't one specific tool I can point to that um, helps me with reflection besides writing. Yeah, I've been using videos lately to look at teaching mistakes, but uh, for me, it's in writing where I can best reflect. And so... I do use journals, either paper or online for students to do the same in class. And depending on the topic, we might socially reflect in a small group. We might use videos to do the same, but mostly allowing time inward eliminates outside influences. And for both myself and my students, putting thoughts onto the page, I think, is a great way to process the past and to look ahead to the future.
0: Well, I, I sure think you got that right. We did do a pretty nice job of bringing it all together and kind of talking about each question within each question. And um, and again, it's just it was great to hear just all those different things that, you know, you've had to say throughout the this podcast and uh, really like, you know, what you're talking about with the reflection that, you know, everything is really tied together, um, health health wise, uh, you know, the, anything that affects your physical side is going to affect that mental, emotional side and possibly that social side and, um, all those different things. And then again, like, as you discussed that, you know, that what students are doing at home, online, at school, same with us, you know, like all those things intertwine and, and with professional lives, home lives, you know, who we are. Um, and I like how you said it, like you, you are who you are. And, and those are just two parts, uh, you know, of who you are and they're different parts at times, but, uh, so yeah, I, I just thought it was great, great how you said it, and I think going back to that reflection tool of you know that pencil hitting the paper, and and as you said, no outside influences on, you know what you write down, what you journal about, what you jot down about, um, you're really being truthful with yourself, and you can get a lot out of that. Um, so definitely like that idea, and uh, it's not the way that I reflect, but I, I do definitely like it and it and it does make me think just hearing you say it you know like how powerful that that truly is um so again thank you for sharing and scott we appreciate you again taking your time out you know just to be on the podcast and um have these voices be heard by you know by so many people and um, you really did share some some great information and uh, i'm hoping that there's some you know, just massive gold nuggets out there that you guys are taking from this and, you know, thinking about putting into whatever, maybe if it's this quarter or next quarter or the next semester, gave you an idea maybe for next year, but hopefully there was, and I know Scott shared some amazing things. So hopefully there's, um, you know, some of those things you can take back and just apply to your teaching, you know, as soon as possible, because Scott's got quite an awesome action pack going on there. So again, uh, Thanks for taking time to share it, Scott, and uh, we really appreciate having you on the show.
1: Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate having me on. It's an exciting time to be a health teacher and uh, to better the craft of teaching. Health ed is ever-evolving, and uh, I I really like where things are pointed. It feels like an integral time in that evolution, and I think it'll prove that a holistic approach to education was key. If anyone wants to connect, you can find me on Twitter at Scott Ampersand. Ampersand like the name for the and symbol. I get asked about that from time to time, too. Uh, It's just a reminder to myself to keep going. Uh, And what's next? That type of thing. My Voxer is the same. I also do some snapshots into teaching on uh, Instagram and even Snapchat, all at the same name. My teaching pages on Facebook and YouTube are at Mr. MrTodnam, T-O-D-N-E-M. A link to my website blog can be found on all of those as well. I'm happy happy to connect. So thanks again, Matt, and uh, thank you to Colin.
0: Hey, thanks, Scott. One final time, we appreciate you being on the Shape America podcast, and thank you for all our, our listeners who are tuning in and you know learning with us today. Again, don't forget, if you have any questions for us, you can always email us at podcast at shapeamerica.org if you feel like you've got a great action pack out there and some good thoughts for your school year, we'd love to hear about them and love to maybe feature on the show. Send us an email, and you never know. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I'm Matt Pomeroy, host of the Shape of America podcast. I'm signing off. Bye now. Happy teaching.